Hey, welcome to the Liberal Conservative Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Wayne. Hey, so today we're going to do something a little different. We're um, going to talk about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Um, President Kennedy was assassinated 12th, at 12.30 p.m. in Dallas, Texas on November 22nd, 1963. This past week um, was the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's assassination. I believe John F. Kennedy's assassination was really the end of innocence for the United States, for the people, for the population. Um, I w- this was six years before I was born, but I've always been interested in it, and I've read nearly every book written on on the assassination, and I've done a lot of research. I've, I've been to Dallas um, and and researched this. I, I think, you know, we'd just come out of the 50s. Um, the civil rights movement was, was up and running, gaining steam. Kennedy was definitely a proponent of, of the civil rights movement. And Texas was was considered in the South. So there was still a lot of racism. Um, there was Kennedy was not well-liked in the conservative areas, but he's still considered probably one of the most popular presidents. And I think he did a lot of good. And I don't think he did any bad. I mean, there's just nothing to me. You could probably argue that everyone has an opinion on that. So I probably shouldn't say he did anything bad. So I wanted to let me focus today on Oswald's escape route and the murder of Officer J.D. Tippett. Officer J.D. Tippett had three small children at the time he was murdered. And every year, especially probably on the 60th anniversary, we remember JFK. But we forget about a family who lost their husband and their father. Um, Officer Tippett's children are still alive. He has uh, he has two boys and a daughter. I don't remember the boys' names. The daughter's name is Brenda. Um, his wife Marie, she just recently died of COVID in 2021, so she was alive for a long time. And she talked about several times driving um, to the area, like on a regular basis, at 10th and Patton, 10th Street and Patton in Dallas, where her husband was killed. Um, I don't know if that. I, I think maybe she just felt close to her husband there. I, I'm not sure, but anyway, as I was saying, we got we. I got off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I, I do that occasionally. I, I, as you know, if you've listened before, I teach school. My kids love it when I get off on tangents because then we don't do our lessons. But uh, so let's get started. And, and as I told you, I've done tons of research on this on this topic. I just believe it was the end of the innocence for the United States, as I said before. And I told you, I've personally gone to Dallas. Well, I've retraced uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's steps after the assassination. And, and as I said, told you, I've read extensively into the conspiracy theories that came after Jack Ruby had killed Oswald in the basement of the Dallas police station. Um, I'll tell you one book that I don't know if I'd recommend it or not, but to me, there's a lot. It's it's written by Bill O'Reilly, and I don't really trust Bill O'Reilly. Um, one book, that he, and he deals extensively on the escape route of Oswald, and uh, to me, he's wrong. He's wrong on Oswald's escape route. They start um, questioning the timing that it would take Oswald to get to the place where he killed Tippett, and want to cast doubt on him killing Tippett. Um, and we'll discuss his wrong where I believe O'Reilly is wrong later in this podcast. Um, let me give you a little background uh, in case you are young or, or are just not aware of the facts of Kennedy's assassination. You know, that morning um, he had given a speech in Fort Worth. Um, then he they went to Carswell Air Force Base, I believe it was, and they flew. It was only 13 minutes to uh, Love Field in Dallas. 
um, I've always kind of questioned, it was rainy that day, and I've always kind of questioned why they, they flew instead of just driving. Now that would require them to put the top up so of, 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 the, of the, his vehicle because it was raining that morning. I just always question why they flew, and, I, and I'm not positive, but, and I don't know that anybody is. Surely somebody is, but not me. So he um, got to Love Field at 11.45 and left Love Field at 11.52. Now he broke from what he wanted to do. He went and personally greeted all the people that were at Love Field there to meeting. And there was, in, in downtown Dallas, there was 200,000 people estimated that wanted to see the president. And that shows even Texas that was really conservative um, had, Kennedy was tremendously popular. Um, Kennedy was heading to a downtown Dallas um, or just south of downtown to a fundraiser. Um, he got in his, like I said, he left Love Field at 1152. Uh, the motorcade went to downtown Dallas and weaved its way through Dallas from the north, heading south. And uh, they came from Main Street to Houston Street, which Houston is, I believe it's one block to the to the south of, of Elm Street. And um, so they turn left from Houston, on Houston Street, I'm sorry, they turn right on Houston Street from Maine, and then they made a, an immediate left turn on Elm Street, um, which is in Dealey Plaza, and they passed the school book depository, which would have been on the south, on the northeast, northwest corner of Houston and Elm Street. Um, about 12.30, Shots were fired from the sixth floor of the depository. Uh, the window that the shots came from was on the southeast corner of, of the sixth floor. So that was literally right on the corner of, of Houston and Elm Street. Um, based on interviews with co-workers at the depository, um, the, the boarding house owner where Oswald was staying, his steps can really be traced pretty accurately immediately after the, the assassination. So he left, based on when they shut down the depository, uh, Oswald was got out of the Texas School Book Depository about 12.33. Um, that's three minutes after the shots were fired. Remember, he left the rifle. Um, I believe he left shells and some and just some a few knickknacks up on the sixth floor. Um, he boarded a city, city bus seven blocks east of the depository on Elm. Um, due to the gridlock of the crime scene and 200,000 people being downtown at the time, Oswald was only on the bus four minutes. He got antsy. He got off the bus at Elm Street and Lamar, which would be two blocks back to the west towards the school book depository. Um, that's he boarded. He he boarded at um, two blocks east of there. Did, did that make sense? What I just said. Um, I hope so. So sorry. All right. So at Elm and Jackson Street, two blocks south of where he got off the bus, he hailed a cab at 1248. Um, and he arrived just across the street of, of the boarding house at 1254. Um, the boarding house is at 1026 North Beckley Avenue in the Oak Cliff District of Dallas. And that's about 1.9 miles roughly south of Dealey Plaza. Um, the, these times are based on cab records and appear to be very accurate. So he retrieved a pistol from the house and started walking south on Beckley Avenue. Now, the fact that they, that they say this is when he retrieved the pistol is, is to me still up in the air. 
the boarding house owner would not allow him to have the weapon in the house. And she's only assuming, and I think uh, most people are only assuming that he retrieved the pistol from there and that he didn't have it on him during the time of the killing. And now here's where the times get a little bit sketchy. The FBI and, and, and the Warren Commission based their times after the cab ride uh, to the boarding house on the woman who owned the boarding house. But in later testimony, her time seemed to have changed. And she also testified that he walked south on Beckley Avenue. As I told you, I've been to the boarding house. I've done extensive research. I walked. Well, she. this is on the on a very corner, on the corner of, of like a three-way intersection. And she could have only seen him walking south for about a half block. So she, I think she's basing it on where he headed from the front yard. She would have had no no reason to stare at him. She wasn't suspicious this time. She was actually sitting in the front room um, watching the news reports on the assassination. Um, the next time that appears to be the most accurate is when Officer, Officer Tippett was killed by Oswald at 1.15 p.m. And that was just one house east of Patton Avenue on 10th Street. And once again, this is in the Oak Cliff District of Dallas. And the reason I say that's probably when they're the most accurate is the shooting time is based on several eyewitnesses and the timestamp on radio traffic by a civilian who had got on Officer Tippett's car radio to alert uh, dispatch that Officer Tippett had been shot. And this is also where I believe Bill O'Reilly is wrong. He based Oswald's route on foot um, based on the most direct route to where he killed Tippett. However, based on three witness statements that day, O'Reilly's wrong. So O'Reilly was walking south on Becklet Beckley to a three-way intersection that was at Beckley, Davis, and Crawford, Crawford Avenue. This is only four blocks from the boarding house. Uh, Oswald assumed Os that, I'm sorry, O'Reilly assumed that Oswald was walking straight south um, on Crawford to 10th Street after, after, so he would walk from Beckley to Crawford, continue south to 10th Street. Um, and when I, when I keep saying north and south and east and west, these streets in, this, in the Oak Cliff area, they're slightly offset. So, for example, if you're running north and south, you're actually running slightly northwest to southeast. So, the, so they're offset a little bit, but I'm just using the, the, the same general direction. So when I say he was walking east, he was actually walking slight, slightly northeast. So once again, based on, based on O'Reilly's, O'Reilly's book, He's saying that um, that Oswald was walking to the east on 10th Street, and that would put Officer Tippett driving up from behind to Oswald and stopping to get out. Um, however, there was a cab driver who was sitting, he was facing north on Patton Avenue at the southeast corner of Patton and 10th Street. Um, Officer, Officer Tippett was shot right about the second house east of Patton on the south side of, of the road of 10th Street. So, and it was really more, it was closer to the second house than the first house, but it really was kind of more in between. Um, the, the first house from Patton on 10th Street and, and the second house from Patton on 10th Street. So the cab driver saw Tippett's scout car pass him um, driving east on 10th Street, and then he saw him stop Oswald um, the cab driver noted that when he saw Oswald, Oswald was walking east on 10th Street. Um, but the cab driver was a little bit confused about that because he, he noted that he never saw Oswald pass him at 10th and, and Patton. As I told you, 
uh, the cab driver was sitting there eating lunch. He wasn't on duty. He wasn't doing anything. He was just sitting there. Um, the directions of so what it appears is that Oswald was walking west on 10th Street, and then um, and this is backed up by by two eyewitnesses who lived just east of the shooting and were sitting outside at the time of the shooting. They independently said they saw Oswald walking west on 10th Street. Um, as, an, as a police officer, former police officer, that makes sense to me because, as I told you, the cab driver never saw Oswald pass him, and but he did see um, he did see Tippett's scout car pass him. And as I told you, he Tippett was shot just past the first house on 10th Street from Patton. So, I mean, that's probably maybe 10 seconds um, if if Oswald was walking to to the east. Um, the cab driver, you know, it would have been about 10 seconds before he saw Tippett's car. So I think he was paying attention enough where if, if Oswald would have passed him, it would he would have saw him. And as I told you, there was two eyewitnesses that saw him walking to the west on 10th Street. Um, so when Oswald left the boarding house, I doubt very seriously he walked straight up Beckley Avenue. Beckley Avenue in the, in the Oak Cliff District is, is somewhat of a of a busy street because it is it's directly south of a, of a bridge that crosses the uh the trinity river and maybe two blocks south of that of that bridge and uh it's a busy street i, I think it's unlikely that someone who just shot the president is going to travel on a busy street on foot um, i believe he went further east from the boarding house then turned back um walking kind of weaving his way through the neighborhood until he got to 10th street where he was where he turned back west um based on all the evidence when he saw Tippett, he turned around and started walking back east which aroused Tippett's suspicion which is why i believe Tippett made contact with him let me tell you about officer Tippett in this case i think i think based on several officers um interviews after he was killed Tippett was very was a very shy and timid. Or I shouldn't say shy. He was a timid guy. He would he would almost out of respect. He wouldn't look people in the eye, and I think this ultimately um, ultimately cost him his life. I think he his officer safety was probably lacking just because he was a timid guy. Um, so I think this aroused when when Oswald saw the officer, he turned around and started walking the other way. Um, Oswald would not know if he had been identified yet, and he would be turning away from Tippett to try to make it harder for him to be identified. Um, witnesses say Oswald and Tippett initially talked through uh, Tippett's passenger window. Something led Tippett to get out of a scout car and investigate Oswald further. Oswald shot Tippett three times across the hood of the scout car, then stood over him and shot him one more time in the head. It appears that one of the shots that hit him in the chest would have likely been fatal. The headshot was probably was overkill. I mean, and and that shows kind of Oswald was a pretty callous guy. Um, immediately after the shooting, Oswald ran south on Patton. Um, this is backed up by he had dropped some shell casings uh, right at the corner of the house that was sitting on Tenth and Patton. Um, there was a used car lot at Patton and Jefferson that saw the people in that used car lot saw Oswald running with the gun in his hand. Um, to me, based on the interviews and all the evidence, um, uh, Oswald is 100%. There's no doubt in my mind he shot Kennedy and he shot Tippett. 
I don't care about all the other conspiracies. Um, you, as people know, Oswald ran south on Patton to Jefferson Boulevard, where he worked his way back to the north, um, where he finally got into the the Texas Theater, which is where he was taken into custody. Um, there have been several conspiracy theories saying Jack Ruby, Oswald, and Tippett knew each other. Um, I found no evidence of this. Uh, in addition, the Warren Commission and the FBI were never like, never able to connect them in. Uh, there have been stories that Tippett dated a stripper from one of Jack Ruby's strip clubs, uh, but they were thoroughly interviewed by, by Dallas and the FBI. Uh, the women who worked there denied that that they had ever seen Tippett. No, they could not find a stripper who was dating Tippett, and none could identify Tippett as ever being in the strip club. So I did find that Tippett worked at, off-duty at a place called Austin's Barbecue in on Jefferson Boulevard there in the Oak Cliff District. Um, he is alleged to have an inappropriate relationship with a waitress there. Uh, it appears that the waitress was having marital problems and she confided in Tippett. But there's really no evidence that the relationship was sexual. Uh, both the waitress and her husband were interviewed by authorities during the investigation. And there's just no evidence of it. I think that as a husband and wife, um, Tippett's wife, who who by all accounts did not know of the relationship until after he was killed, you know, you would probably consider it, if you were in the same situation, you would consider it inappropriate, even though there was no sexual, uh, no sexual relationship that was ever, that was ever proven. So in my opinion, Oswald was definitely the lone shooter on Kennedy assassination, on the Kennedy assassination, you know, uh, many conspiracy theorists say that no one could have made those three shots so quickly and accurately on a moving target. I, I've seen many reenactments of these shootings. Um, most of the reenactments and tests of the of the shooting show an actor or a shooter, whoever it is, making a shot. They'll raise their head off the rifle. They'll eject around. They'll reacquire the target and they'll make another shot. Um, and that's not how you're trained in the military. I'm prior military, and that's not how you're trained. You keep your head down. On you, you keep your target acquired. You eject around. You 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 re-engage the target, and you make another shot. Um, if you watch some of the reenactments with trained shooters like Oswald, the men never raise their heads from the rifle. They keep the target acquired. Just like I said, they eject around and, and take and make another shot. So. And conspiracy theorists also say this was a moving target with a bolt-action rifle. Um, the target was moving at extremely slow speed. If you look at some of the home movies, I I don't know the speed they were going, but it appears to be five miles or less per hour. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that Oswald could have made these shots. I there's no doubt in my mind I can make these shots. And. In my opinion, I told you I think Oswald weaved his way through the neighborhoods until he came in contact with Tippett. I believe he was making his way to Jefferson Boulevard to get uh, on a bus, to get to a bus stop that was further away from his room at the boarding house. Um, you know, he weaved through the traffic through the neighborhood to avoid the traffic. And I think he was probably trying to get to that bus stop. There's a bus stop two blocks south on Beckley, uh, but I, I just don't think he wanted to be on Beckley at that point in time. Um, so if, if, if he had been identified, which it's highly likely that he had, he would have, they would have went straight to the boarding house. He just didn't want to be on there. I think he was trying to get to Jefferson Boulevard to get to the bus stop and then probably get to Fort Worth where his wife was living because they were, they were separated at the time. I think he weaved his way through 
through the neighborhoods. He was headed back west on 10th Street and he saw Tippett and freaked out a little bit, turned around to avoid Tippett. And um, I think based, just based on my experience, if I saw that, I'm going to go contact you. I'm going to talk to you. Find out because normal people just don't spin around when they see a police officer. It just doesn't happen. Um, I think I think when Tippett first contacted Oswald, he probably asked him his name, um, probably asked him where he lived, where he's from, and he probably asked him where he worked. I think this is when Tippett started to get out of the car. He probably, Oswald probably told him he worked at the Texas School Book Depository. Tippett would have known from radio traffic that the shooting had occurred at the Texas School Book Depository, and he got out of his car to investigate further, um, and he was ultimately killed. Now, I told you he didn't like to uh, look people in the eye. I, I, I believe, based on, on interviews, it sounds like to me and I'm, I'm that he it was a, a respect thing. He was military. Um, you know, you're always taught to look people in the eye. He just he just didn't do it. So, and I think this probably cost him his, his life. I believe if he was if his officer safety was a little bit better, um, he would have saw uh, Oswald pulling a weapon. He could have at least um, got away from the the initial shooting and and been able to draw his weapon. Officer Tippett never drew his weapon. Um, uh, he was shot three times. I, I think I told you already. He was shot three times over the, the hood of the car, and um, and he and then once in the head after he had already fallen. Um, now, you know some of the conspiracy theorists say that Oswald had had many had helpers in the in the assassination, help planning the assassination. Um, I don't know if he had help planning it. He to me he was definitely the lone shooter. Um, a lot of people don't know in April of 63 Oswald had allegedly shot at a former army army general uh, by the name of Edwin Walker at Walker's home in Dallas um, the shot hit a window seal window sill and missed Walker uh, the Dallas police never solved that shooting but the FBI found that the gun used to shoot at Walker was was purchased under the same name Oswald used when he purchased the gun that killed Kennedy. So it's very obvious to me Oswald was at least capable of, of attempting murder, and in this time with Kennedy, he killed he killed Kennedy. Um, and so I hope that gives you a little more information on what happened, you know, that day. Uh, some new information on the assassination, maybe. Uh, you know, as I said at the beginning of this podcast on. This is the 60th anniversary of JFK's assassination. So don't forget the three people that lost their dad that day. Um, they have to relive, relive this this death every year in the media. You know, they've seen their father dragged through the mud by conspiracy theorists saying he was dating strippers with Jack Ruby. He was he was there's I've seen conspiracies where he was trying he was going there to pick up Oswald to get him out of town. Um, and, and an argument maybe ensued and, and got killed. I just don't believe any of that. Um, officer Tippett, by all by all accounts, was was not a corrupt officer. Um, he he was a good man. He had an uh, inappropriate relationship, but but there's probably been a lot of people that had. So I hope that I hope that give you some new information. I hope so. I told you in the last episode that we're going to start looking at some presidential candidates, and we're going to start with that next week. Um, next week, we'll give you information on the candidates. We'll start with the candidates, giving you information on their beliefs and policies. Next week will be Nikki Haley. Um, she's a Democratic challenger, former former ambassador to the United Nations, and governor of South Carolina. 
Um, as of now, there are no Democratic challengers to Biden, so most of our candidates are going to be Republican. There's a few independents. It looks like they're popping out. Um, and we'll, next week, we will also start a two-part series on women's rights, uh, specifically women's rights when it comes to abortion and to trans athletes in sports. So um, I want to thank you guys again for listening. Um, I, I cannot express my gratitude to you. We are up to just under 100 uh, uh, podcast subscribers. Uh, remember, we're on Facebook under the Liberal Conservative Podcast. Just search us out, and uh, I hope you'll follow us. Um, that's where you'll get news on the on the latest episodes. I post some pictures that mean a lot, like I posted some on the uh, on on our military being away for Thanksgiving. So try not to be controversial on our on our on our Facebook page. So please have a a great holiday season. I will I will um, record. Our new episode will be out in two weeks. And once again, that's going to deal on on abortions and, and women's rights. So I hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you again. And, uh, and please come back to the Liberal Conservative Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks.